to the Revital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval, and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimize your health and realize your full potential. We'll have cutting-edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! Hi everyone, in today's episode, Danny and I will talk about medicinal cannabis in detail, its absorption elements and individual medicine importance. We talk about the therapeutic outcomes of cannabis-based medicine as opposed to cannabinoid isolates, as well as known interactions and pathways. We also talk in detail about the endocannabinoid system and its receptors. We talk the hierarchy of evidence and what the evidence says, and the current state stance of cannabis in Australia and what the barriers are. We also touch on light and its importance in health. Danielle is a naturopath and early career researcher, completing her honours in 2019, investigating the absorption of medicinal cannabis in patients with stage 4 brain cancer. Danielle's interest in clinic is in integrative medicine, in particular providing patient-centred outcomes in cancer management through an informed evidence base. Danielle's previous profession as a sustainability practitioner has inspired further research into environmental drivers of health with a focus on light, environment and circadian biology. We hope you enjoy. Thank you and welcome to the Revita Health Podcast. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you um, coming online and and talking to me about all this wonderful stuff. I'm super, super, super excited about talking to you because uh, I get a lot of questions about this and we also talk about it a lot with my students um, because it is very much a um, cutting edge and it's a topic of research at the moment. So, and you're the girl to talk to. So I'm very, very happy (laughs) to have you on here. So thank you. Get started just into a bit of um, about you from your point of view um, and just introduce yourself and what sort of research you've been doing and, and how you got into it. Yeah, great. Thanks, Jodie. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to have a chance to share a bit of this uh, knowledge that I've been deep diving into for possibly over a little bit over two years now. Um, so I bumped, I really, it was more of a bumping into medicinal cannabis. Um, I at the end of my undergraduate degree, um, doing naturopathy, Bachelor of Health Science in Naturopathy, I came over to Brisbane and did a summer research program through a college. Um, and I was exposed, that was the beginning of it. I went on this really steep learning curve of under, understanding what the plant is and then the system that it interacts in. And then from there, I enrolled into honours, which is taking me down much more um, I guess it's very an intricate understanding of the plant, getting really close and up personal with the plant. And also it's how it works um, in cancer populations, especially, which has been really fascinating and a complete privilege really to get that time to spend doing this kind of research. Mm, Amazing. Wow. So was it something that interested you before you got into this? Was it something that you'd thought about before or was it just mainly that you just got thrown into it? Yeah, it really, um, I think my, my focus was around um, working in cancer populations. Mm. Um, even through my undergrad, I, I, 
seemed strange. I wouldn't, I would probably avoid, I mostly avoided lectures about it because mm. I don't know, there was something very frightening around yeah. it um, yeah. in a cancer presentation. I can and, relate, yeah. You know, understandably. Um, and, but I think just leaning into it more is just, you know, it's, it's kind of the cliche that knowledge is power and, and, and leaning in and learning more about it and understanding, you know, it's, it's not so much that, you know, when we're talking about medicinal cannabis, it's not so, so much as treating the cancer, but looking at the person and what can get them the better quality of life outcomes and support them through treatments and um, elements like that. So um, had the, originally going over to do the summer research program, um, it was just, it was looking at, I think we were looking at a, a, like a literature review in cancer populations and then it, it changed as I landed and it really was a surprise with medicinal cannabis. It was, yeah, Amazing. a really fortunate surprise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what you find out there in the general population is that there's a still a, a huge stigma um, and I'll get you to cover some of the history of it a bit later on, but um, mm. you really, I'm sort of out there and I'm sure you are as well to really squish that stigma and to make it a little bit more known as, as a very useful and amazing medicinal plant uh, and yeah. as, as it should have credit for. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. So, um, and I also see that you've done quite a lot of research. You're amazing for doing that. You're very, very clever. And you've got your um, thesis that you sent through to me. So um, if you want to go through that, that's some amazing stuff yeah. that you're allowed to talk about now. Yeah, 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 this is, this is pretty exciting, <laughs> this, this part. Um, it's really not, I've not really had a place to share it out with the broader a broader audience has yeah. kind of just been inside and getting marked and whatnot. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I've, after a good, oh my goodness, it's been over two years, um, managed to finalize my thesis. So um, I was doing study, my thesis was on the absorption of medicinal cannabis in um, patients with stage four brain cancer or glioblastoma multiform. Mm -hmm. um, and this was a secondary analysis. So there was a broader there's a broader study taking part at, um, taking place at the moment, run by Dr. Janet Sloss um, down at Prince of Wales Hospital with Dr. Charlie Teo mm -hmm. and a lot of other um, a big team there working together. And um, so that broader trial is looking at different tolerability aspects. I got a, a certain subject of that population and analysed. Um, Essentially, it was taking bloods over three, uh, four times. So at baseline, week four week eight and week 12. Um, and then the patients were taking two different forms of um, cannabis oil. So there was a one-to-one -one CBD, THC. So CBD is your cannabidiol, mm -hmm. THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, and a um, one-to-four. So the, the, four, the one is the CBD and the four is the THC. Mm -hmm. And so the patients were titrating up, um, going through the regular, what is a normal way to dose this med medicine um, is a really going very slow and keeping the dose as low as you can. Um, and so what we're looking at by taking the bloods, we're seeing if we could find any measurable markers of cannabinoid levels and metabolites in the bloods for, and ma match them back to the dose to see if we can inform dosing schedules a little mm -hmm. more. Um, Absolutely. Because obviously that's the key with this with this plant um, is, you know, it's 
what the results are showing is very individualized. Um, you know, even if people are taking the same amounts, they're not going to have the same amount of cannabinoid and cannabinoid metabolites in their blood. It wasn't mm. seen and, mm. you know, all flags up that it was a small, a small um, cohort, but it does in terms of, it's, it's almost like a pharmacokinetic um, trial, which usually that would take a whole lot more bloods within a shorter amount of time. But this, um, as a pharmacokinetic light trial, the, the number does kind of bring a bit of power to the results that we've seen. Um, mm. And yeah, so in, in this, we also measured different, you know, patients were continuing with their treatment. Um, um, so this was things such as uh, temozolomide, um, lomastine, um, and they were on Kepra um, levoteracetam, which is a anti-epileptic and dexamethasone and a myriad of different medications that you can expect um, in this kind of presentation. Um, and so we're looking at all those different variables and seeing, did they change any of the cannabinoid metabolites? Did it change the tolerability for a person? Um, you know, if, if someone in group A could take 15 milligrams of THC, but then mm -hmm. someone that's, and then someone else in group A could take 45, mm -hmm. where, where, how do we measure tolerability? Is there any other factors? And something that come out, there wasn't really any one thing. And so really like it, Wow. I, I think it's amazing because it's individual medicine and mm. it's almost like cannabis can provide that platform, particularly as, you know, with naturopaths and herbalists working with herbal medicine, it's almost like a hero herb for what it can do to say, well, look what this plant can do. Look mm. at these outcomes. And this is not to say that every outcome is usually positive because, you know, there's always risk of adverse events and side effects that, you know, uh, like any any individual, we all react a bit differently. Um, mm. But as a plant medicine, it just brings so much in it and, and we're able to put that on a platform and go, hey, everyone had to take a different dose, but we also had some really positive outcomes. Even if someone was on a low dose, they felt great. Someone was on a higher dose, they could keep going. It was perfectly fine for them. It's, it's, so it's it's really what what came back is there's really not one dose that fits all, which is what we suspected. Um, but something like this hasn't really been reported in the literature before, yeah. and particularly in this cancer population, yeah. um, and in this way. So it's yeah. quite unique. And we looked, of course, yeah, not just that you know your your, your common THC and CBD. There's um, um, CBN and then your acidic forms THCA, CBDA. And then the metabolites. So, mm. yeah, I could talk forever on this. It gets very lost. Oh, <laughs> you no. Have to, you have to. So, it, <laughs> I can imagine I'm, my, my head's blowing up as we speak. But um, in, a, in a clinical sense, then, in a hypothetical clinical sense, in terms of mm. when you're going to be prescribing this, then, how, how is there going to be any um, dictation towards where you can lie in terms of? I know you're saying the dosing is very individualized, but how are any clinicians going to know? in terms of the ranges or even individuals is there going to be a measuring for the cannabidiol um, metabolites in the blood and then go from there like where where do you see that going yeah um i don't think there that that would be great but so that's another outcome like was there yeah. looking at the therapeutic outcomes to what was found in the bloods in terms mm. of cannabinoids and cannabinoid metabolites that's mm. definitely that's something that needs further research and um, it might be 
might come out a little bit in the larger um, study, um, but the parent study. Um, but um, yeah, I don't, can't really talk to that therapeutic level, but the way that you go about dosing now is, um, and you know, for me, dosing, tolerability and therapeutic, it's all kind of mashed into one. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you typically always start at a really low dose and mm -hmm. you go slow. So let's say, for example, um, a person's, it's their first time introducing it for a therapy, they're looking for a therapeutic outcome, whatever that may be. Um, you're going to go maybe at 0.2 mils um, mm. once at night, if, let's say for sleep. Mm. We're looking at something to help with sleep maintenance. Um, an hour or two before sleep. Um, because in a liquid form, then it's going to take about two, up to 90 minutes to two hours for it to metabolize and have mm -hmm. that therapeutic outcome. Um, and then they'll stay in that 0.2 mils maybe for a day or two and then jump up to 0.4 and mm. then continue on to 0.6 and on it goes. And really the, 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 the ceiling is um, patient tolerability. Is there any, are they getting any side effects? Is there a comfortability? Are they waking, feeling woozy? can't really get moving in the morning maybe it's a bit much bring the dose down mm -hmm. and that's it's really the strategy yeah yeah and and there's a medicine um Sativex, which is a cannabis-based medicine that's used for um it's a, a sublingual spray that the dosing mm -hmm. really is take this Prime. much dose and then build it up as you go and it's just got a warning you know no more than 48 actuations over 24 hours and things like that just looking at upper limits but that's Amazing. that's cannabis. That's that's how the medicine works. It's yeah, it's unlike any other. It, yeah, it, <laughs> exactly. And you know, it's I, I can understand how it's very like it is a challenging um, medicine to work yeah, with because absolutely. Of that. Because if you've got a patient sitting in front of you and says, "I need to get this outcome. How much do I take?" Yeah. Well, we have can, to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be frustrating as well. And then you know, it, it can kind of lead into that frustration between access and why can't we get it and how much do I take there's just there's just so many questions they don't, so many at the really moment and absolutely mm. so in 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 the study that you did um was there any negative outcomes that you found um well with I, I had there was 20 people mm -hmm. um, so 10 in each cohort mm -hmm. um I wasn't looking at for me it was very much um just I didn't, it wasn't, it was, you know, they had a number assigned to them and it wasn't looking at any therapeutic outcomes or mm. side effects. You know, there's like anecdotal stuff where people would have like a, um, a nightmare and then have to bring their dose down and that's how you guide it. But sure. in terms of poor outcomes, that's something definitely not, not from my study, but mm. I think that might be reported on in the future in, in the parent study. So, yeah. yeah. In terms yeah. of the literature from your perspective and what you've looked at, is there anything in there? And I know this um, has already been reported in a sense, but is there anything hugely we should be concerned about with um, cannabis as a medicine in terms of health um, risks or risk factors? Yeah, look, I think with any medicine, there's always a risk associated with it. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's that obviously that large caveat any um, you know, certain mental health issues it's to be aware of those and it may not be it may be that this medicine isn't for someone who's had a history of mental health issues mm -hmm. yeah um, 
particularly when, if you're taking um, a cannabis-based medicine with the tetrahydrocannabinol, the psychoactive element, mm. you, know, you know, arguably CBD, is that going to have the same impacts? Um, it, it shouldn't do. It has very little affinity with that, with the receptors mm. that would elicit that response. So, um, yeah, you, you know, there's so, so some of the common side effects. It can be, they can be rashes um, that come out from the oil, um, but I think, you know, you go really low and very slow. And that's right. You should be able to navigate around mm-hmm. any potential adverse events. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's just move on then to um, a little bit of background info because some of the audience may not have heard about the fact that medicinal cannabis is a thing <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, yeah. what, what uh, it is, a bit of history uh, and even a little bit of the stigma surrounding it and why that's come in, if you have uh, information on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I've done a bit of, we've done a literature review that's um, looked at medicinal cannabis use in specifically cancer populations since around 1970. Um, It was really interesting because you can see at the, you know, for the first 10, 15 years, there's a lot of human studies. There were a lot of human studies looking into, you know, your anti-cancer effects Mm. by a lot. It's like 20 in total from 1970 to today is about 28 human studies in cancer populations specifically. But, you know, there's a handful that will back in the early stages that would be looking at anti-cancer and then, you know, the anti-emetic effects that are associated with it and um, analgesic effects and so on. Um, And then once, of course, at this point in time, the endocannabinoid system hasn't been defined or understood at all. So the way they were measuring how things worked in the body was like completely left of where it needed to be, but I was mm. trying to understand. So you do see a lot of dosing, which is extremely high, and you wonder why the trial had to be shut down because mm. people <laughs> not cope with that amount of THC in their body at one time. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's interesting to read like those really fundamental stages. So it wasn't until the 1990s, that early 1990s, that the endocannabinoid system, which is the prime signaling system that cannabinoids or phytocannabinoids the plant mm-hmm. cannabinoids interact with in the body was identified so we're only really looking at what is that 28 or so years yeah i think since not long um, at all it was discovered which is so minimal and i know when i was doing my undergrad i, I had no idea what the endocannabinoid system mm-hmm. was so would you say that three four years ago would you say that a lot of medical professionals still don't know that yeah, yeah, I would think. I so. think, yeah, I just, I think unless, you know, you, I think now you have to go out and you have to look for the information mm. and it's, so it's not part of the, you know, that, that, that 101 c- curriculum that I think, you know, it's the largest signaling system in the body. It, it's amazing. It lots and how, how, it, we're really. Yeah, in textbooks, you know, I'm um, placing textbooks um, or is it, yeah. Is it, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I think it's definitely getting there. There's a lot more of it now. Um, but like I said, you do have to dig dig for it. So it's really kind of in that primacy of understanding. Mm. Um, but there's a, lot, there's a lot of expertise in certain corners and that's evolving out and it's becoming more of that common knowledge, I think, around the endocannabinoid system because it does a lot, you know, 
but it's a lot more than just uh, cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids that interact mm. with it. It's a lot more going on as well. Um, but I always think it's, it's so interesting that the reason we found the endocannabinoid system is because of the investigations into the psychoactive THC. Mm. So, you know, imagine if the plant didn't have that element. There's <laughs> a little bit of me like, would it, I, I think, would it have just been put on the shelf like, Another, never have found another herbal, it. Yeah. like yeah. another herbal medicine that goes yeah. look oh look we have to do more effort more research and you know. yeah so coming back to that potential like hero like herb which i think i don't know maybe it may have been justin sinclair who's done a bit of quite a bit of work on this he mentioned as a, as a hero herb i think yeah so getting getting lost back into that broader like yes yeah. <laughs> herbalism and you know individual medicine um yeah, the history of it coming through from the 70s, 80s, and we do see there was, you know, it's, it's, it's been prohibitive. It was, um, you know, once part of the herbal pharmacopoeia in the early 1900s, and then it was taken off, and it's only just been put, put back on recently in the American herbal pharmacopoeia. So it has been, unfortunately, um, there's st- and there still is a lot of stigma attached to its use. And mm, you can see a lot of the conversations mm. that go on, even, you know, around amongst researchers where, you know, there's always going to be a bias in research, but, you know, we'll, there will be researchers that say it's, it's a gateway drug. You know, that's being debunked. It's not a gateway drug. It's not going mm. to walk you into another place. That's your choice that walks you into the other place. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, so, so we got ni- 1970s into the 80s. Um, then we start, once once the endocannabinoid system is fa- um, identified, we lean into more in vitro studies, so the cellular studies, and we're looking at mechanism of action. And then we've also got talk of human studies of going, oh, look, it's dangerous if you're driving, which, you know, again, that's where a lot of work is being done out of the Lambert Initiative on that um, at the University of Sydney. Um, working on that element or, you know, that again, putting it as a gateway drug, but in the, in, in cell cultures, it's, it's showing that it's had anti-cancer actions and we're really seeing these elements popping up again, going, hang on, we need to look at this plant. And mm. that was resonated in 1970. And then it's come back up in the 2000s going, hang on, come back. We mm. can see what's going on. Mm. Now. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of push into that area of medicinal cannabis as an adjunct treatment in cancer management because yeah. it does offer a lot of potential good outcomes for people. Amazing. Wow. That's so fascinating, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go into um, explain to me a little bit more about the endocannabinoid system. Because I think a lot of people won't uh, have an understanding of it um, and maybe yeah. just a bit more of a basic understanding. Yeah, sure. Um, so like I, I mentioned previously, so it is the largest signaling system in our yeah. body and it is made up, there's um, cannabinoid receptors, mm-hmm. um, cannabinoid receptor one and cannabinoid receptor two. Um, so receptor one is more your central nervous system. Um, and receptor two is in your more peripherals in um, organs. So, you know, not as an example, THC will inter- interact with both CB uh, cannabinoid receptor one and cannabinoid receptor two, but the CB one 
that is the one that's in your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, and they're, they're G protein couple receptors. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's other receptors as well as valinonoid receptors and different, um, like cal- more, we're talking around your calcium channel receptors that kind of works in with. And it's not all simplistic. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think you can make it simplistic. I think that was wrong of me to say. <laughs> oh, no, no. It is. I think I've had this challenge thrown at me a few times to try and under- understand it. Um, yeah. Um, I think a, a good way to look at it is, you know, we, if we, we've got our own endogenous cannabinoids. Yes. That, wander around our body um sure. so this is anandamide or arachidinyl ethylandamide it's a terrible okay. long name mm. and um another one called 2ag um which is arachidinyl glycerol mm-hmm. um and and these basically the endocannabinoids yep. um they want they generally summarize as uh, rest eat sleep forget and protect is their roles in our body Fascinating. Um, and so uh, these receptors, the cannabinoid receptors, are not there specifically for plant medicine to interact with. It's it's a normal functioning of the body. Mm. Um, so I think that's really important to understand that you know we all have endocannabinoids running through our body right now, mm-hmm. sitting on receptors, doing the work that is required to keep that homeostatic balance in our body. Um, but yeah. Um, Interesting. So would you think yeah. um, that there, I've heard endocannabinoid deficiency mentioned a few times from us from various different places. Do you think there's such a thing and how um, is that, is that something we're going to be treating? You know, potentially I, I, I wouldn't discount it. Um, yeah. I think it's when you start looking at how um, cannabinoids are made and how it's, you know, it's got to do with the fatty acids, acid synthesis and very technical aspects of it, you could see why there could be, you know, your endogenous, your endocannabinoids aren't quite functioning at a level that's keeping up um, that balance in our body. It could be sure. multiple health reasons as well, couldn't it? Many deficiencies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's, there's also, you know, we know certain SNPs that will, um, so genetic modifications that, that, that will won't allow the metabolism uh, block certain metabol- metabolic pathways of um, yep. cannabinoids from you know, phytocannabinoids. So ah, okay. Thing, so that's also a new frontier is looking at the pharmacogenomic aspects of the endocannabinoid system. You know, if you don't have um, a certain enzyme to break down you know, a, a step between an endocannabinoid and a metabolite, then you're going to get different elements happening in the body. And that's actually something that came out in the st- my thesis. Um, it does seem there were patients, even in a small number, that had certain SNPs mm. that threw out different numbers and created outliers in the data because, you know, potentially there's some genetic SNP there. So that's really exciting thing to, to lean into into the future in terms of how we can interact with our endocannabinoid system and get the best outcomes and most efficient Mm. outcomes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be um, needing to measure all those SNPs and then measuring all those different metabolites in the body as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a couple there you can measure for a couple now. Um, 
certain genetic SNPs um, with certain enzymes. Um, I can't recall them. One's FAAD and another one. Um, okay. That can give you those insights, but definitely the lack. The lack is um, on, on on terms of measuring cannabinoid levels. Also, you know, in terms of sensitivity of the tests, mm. it's not. You know, you can get close, like. But you know, it's not completely de definitive. It's it's not hugely sensitive, and that even that's when you're doing, you know, um, looking qu quite closely at them. You know, so I'm I'm trying to um, compare from ones that you buy off the shelf and ones that go through labs. Even the lab ones struggle to really get that high sensitivity mm. as well. And then of course. If we if we need more studies to understand therapeutic levels, it means you know that it can be quite invasive pharmacokinetic studies. So having to take blood consistently and exactly. in the cancer population, that's something to consider as well. Absolutely, there's the ethics there. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, uh, <laughs> well, let's go into a little bit more um, stance or current stance in Australia. Um, and where we're looking at it sort of developing, I'm more interested in sort of where um, it's looking like in the next years for um, coming out into more broader audience and treatment. So is there anything you can sort of talk about in that regard? Um, I think, I think when, when we look at it, when it first passed legislation to be able to be prescribed here in Australia, it was only a couple of years ago mm. and it has tracked quite quickly. And, you know, we're, we're here today when there's a Senate review um, mm. looking at patient access to yeah. it. And, you know, so we have, we have, we can see the flags that have limited that access and, mm -hmm. you know, and we have a lot of proponents that are advocating going, we need to find a better way. Yeah. So I think for me, I find that quite heartening to see that there is a, you know, from from first being able to have it legislated and mm -hmm. and, and to today, and now I, I in in WA you can a GP is able to prescribe it as opposed to going out to a specialist access clinic, um, yeah, which again is kind of removing removing some of those barriers, um, and you know. With the access now, any you can access it for anything. You just need to prove, you, you need to show proof of why you need that access. You know, mm. often you have to say, I've tried this medication as it hasn't, hasn't worked um, in pain management, say. So um, refractory pain, um, it may come down if they, you know, they tried the normal frontline medication and it hasn't had a response, then it, then we it can be offered up medicinal cannabis, and mm. but then it comes. The unfortunate thing it comes back to making sure that's dosed correctly and well, is it the right. right ratio. Yeah, and that's you know, the education and, from the medical professional. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was, there was for me. I think it's great that now you know GPs can sit down and access, but it's still you know there's a process involved mm. and it does take a lot of time. Absolutely, um, but we, it's really critical that that GP has an understanding. Mm. And there are a lot of courses for that. Good. Like them. Yeah, they are, they are, they're there are quite a lot for for medical professionals Brilliant. to sit down and understand how to get hold and and, and manage yeah. it and provide the right patient care. 
Mm, excellent. No, that's really, really good to hear. Um, I've seen a few pop up here and there, but it's, I guess, minute, them finding out about it and, and wanting to learn about it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's, it's, it's just being really encouraging around it because the evidence, mm. there's a lot, always that for like, there's not enough evidence around, you know, medicinal cannabis and its use but there is a there's an incredible amount of evidence there is it's just sometimes it's not to have, you know you know your your gold standard random clinical control trial elements you know you might come back down to some um different studies or even down to a case study but that's still enough to build evidence um mm -hmm. but you know there's a <laughs> While I said, yes, I feel really heartened that we can, you know, access seems to be moving and tracking quite quick in terms of accessibility. There's a broader, stronger, um, bigger body. barrier that's mm. going. Oh, yeah, the body. Thank you. Yeah, that says, <laughs> hang on, I don't think you have evidence to be able to do this. And uh. you know, it just comes back to the fact that well, you're not, there's not going to be a standard dose for any one person. That's that's yeah. what that, that's what's being said. And that's scary for an evidence-based um, medical system. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Abs absolutely. And, yeah. and you know, I can, can completely understand that. Mm. And particularly if you, you've gone through, you know, you've, you've come out and you're a practicing medical professional, but you actually like the endocannabinoid system, what are you talking about? And cannabinoids from plants, that's not something I am aware of. And you know, mm. there's automatically that cognitive dissonance that goes, Oh, I can <laughs> stick with what I'm working with. Like so it is challenging. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So in the broader sense of, um, you know, wellness and health and keeping people well, is there going to be, do you think any place for cannabis in a non sick or non ill population? Um, I think we, we see that already in the US. Um, yes, yes, you know, yes. When we have the, what, what is termed the recreational access mm. and, um, across many states. Um, so I think there's a, into, I, I guess like in terms of, can we optimize our health through using these that's elements. my question um, pretty much yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's where i focus a lot of my time and effort yeah mm, mm. um i look i think it's about using understanding it's a medicine like it, it's a very it has therapeutic outcomes mm -hmm. um and i think you, you just need to you need to be knowledgeable on what you're putting in the body and what outcomes are likely to come of that um I do see. Um, it's hard to say. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to be like, yes, absolutely. It, it I know. Should. It's like, a hard question. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, in terms of the what we know now, there's always you always want to be a little bit cautious in what you say because mm. otherwise we get to the point now where we've got our absolutely crazy calls on let's put CBD gym wear and like CBD. <laughs> You know, on anything it's just it's a bit outstanding you know we've got um cbd honey and things like that oh and, absolutely you know, understanding the science yeah. of that it's really not something that can happen it's not going to be activated unless you heat treated it and that's right so it's being aware of that green washing that can happen yes. around this plant because it, will it be... is in the, on the tip of everyone's tongue 
the height medicine. Like I said to you off recording when I first had a chat to you, is that when I was in London earlier, um, there was CBD everywhere. It was yeah. It's just yeah. Um, so I was coming from Australia, where you know we're still not <laughs> innovative in that sense and forward. Yeah, um, like America. Yeah. There is, and I was blown away by the fact that there was drinks, there was soft drinks, there was coffee, there was everything that had CBD in it. It was, that had, yeah, yeah, it was very yeah. mind-boggling. And it's something that is good and bad, I believe, because of the fact that you've got um, people have access to it. But what's the the correct medicine? Just like just like kombucha, for example, in Australia, you yeah. well anywhere in the world, you get good ones and you get bad ones. You get ones that yeah. are real, the ones that are real. And so there's so much scope and I, yeah. and I guess in a way it's good that we've had um our control taken off us in terms of not being able to have it into the wider community because now we, we're we're working on trying to find a real place for it because it is such a powerful medicine that's what i'm that's what i see anyway yeah i think so um i think that's the model like if we're comparing different access models um in the u.s there's been some criticism around the fact that it's kind of been a free-for-all market mm, yeah um, but you know you are relying on this is not to say that the product support but you are relying on the producers to you know validate what's yeah. in the bottle or what it yeah. is that you exactly mm. and so i don't know whether that's something that's you know, not being able to talk to what's 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 happening in the background of legislation in Australia, it, there can be good outcomes to the fact that well, you know, we have to have a standardised cannabis-based mm. medicine. Mm. We need to know that it has A, B, and C cannabinoids exactly. at certain levels. So and and, and have it validated. And mm. you know, who who does that validation? I think is probably the question that's been been thrown out, thrown Absolutely. up at the moment. Um, Absolutely, who should be make responsible for mm. that because there's mm. so many different options that you can use with any medicine and any plant and any extraction method and then you've got all the different components of that you know even the terpenes get forgotten in the cannabis plant i believe um, so there's Absolutely. so many different things yeah. that would become a part of their synergistic action on the body and without one do you know it works as well you know there's so many questions that you need to be asking yeah yeah absolutely and mm. it, it's interesting with the terpenes of all the um there's some really interesting good research coming out of israel from didi mayari um and he's looking at the anti-cancer actions of cannabinoids and in, um in vitro studies mm. um but also leans into terpenes as well and dr uh, ethan russo is another one he has done a lot of work on terpenes and there's you can you can see the synergism so this is like the entourage effect of medicinal cannabis um, mm. so the meaning that we, we see better there seems to be better patient tolerance and potential therapeutic outcomes when you take medicinal cannabis as a whole plants extracts because there are isolates um, and, and analogs of thc or cbd but in terms of what the evidence is showing um, is that cannabis-based medicines from the whole plant with a whole profile of terpenes, uh, different flavonoids, cannabinoids in there, are having a better outcome for the patient. And interestingly, even economically, it seems to be the better way of approaching 
this as well. The whole looking plant. At the, yeah, looking at the mm. whole plant, grown outside, under natural light, yes. where possible, because obviously there's pests and things to control for. But um, these, you know, in the economic model, it's making a whole lot of sense. It seems in, you know, patient outcomes, it's having a whole lot of sense. And then we start can lean into the fact going, okay, so what, what is stopping this? Who's involved here? In the research to you know stop can it stop you know, look at perhaps the analogs and go oh look it's just got this much thc and it's standardized and it's better but evidence is showing perhaps that's not the way it's not better mm. the whole plant is better and we need yeah. to lean into that uncomfortability of the unknown when we're looking into this yeah. plant and then dosing it as we do with all our herbal medicines as we went through <laughs> you know i, I teach yeah. in botany still to this day and we all know that the whole yeah. plant works synergistically and i think we still have to remember yes. that for this particular plant yes absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well on the light then i think that's a good lead on to our bit of a chat about light because i know mm. your fascination with it as much as mine and yes. um yes. i loved what you were trying to um well, what you posted um, when I was having a little flick through some of your information about the the cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system and the light and the cannabis, and we've just mentioned it then. So maybe give yeah. me a bit of a rundown of, of what you've yeah. been thinking in, in that front and also in terms of the, the circadian rhythm of the body and light because that's another one of my massive fascinations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like, it's for me, it's so... Like it's so accessible and it's so right there, but extremely complicated in understanding that our biology and every kind of element is is is, is attached to our star, to the sun. Like this is the grounding factor for me when Absolutely. it comes to health. Mm. And in, interestingly, like tying that into the cannabis plant, it's been shown that different cannabinoid profiles and terpenes can be affected by the amount of light they get. So they can control you can control for cannabinoid profiles by keeping light at a certain light incidence um and for me i'm that that blows my mind i'm like yeah, is that, that there's the example there is mm. are, are we uh, is there any better example to show that we are you know star beings we need that sunlight because yeah. the plants do it so what are we what how how are we reacting when we're put in a different environment what's happening to our system yeah um, and i you know arguably we can say that a, a lot of chronic health could be tied back to where we're placing our body in space and time Absolutely. And then you've not only got the light that was coming to us or the lack of light, as, as we all say, um, and then, you know, feet in the ground. It's, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty big. It's, it's both. It's, it's the ground and, and the sun. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's yeah. very simple, like you say, but it seems to be so complex for people to be able to achieve those basic health measures. It does. It does. Mm. It's, um, it's really interesting. I think, you know, patients who I've seen always go away with a light prescription from me and for me absolutely you don't like you're going to get the biggest the better outcomes if you put these make that decision to you know wake up early and see the sun and put as much skin in the sun as you're comfortable in the morning and then do that a little bit more at lunchtime absolutely and then blue light at night yeah you know really it's not hugely impacting you just have to make the choice um, mm. 
yes, try and understand the mechanisms of why that's happening. It's extremely complicated. Absolutely. But, but making the decision to wake up and you know, get out in the sun and wear some blue blocking glasses and keep your At skin night. covered if you're, yep. if you're inside and things yep. like that. It's, it's so simplistic that it's almost like, whoa, what is it? what's happening? Is everyone <laughs> hearing this? <laughs> Why are we all doing this? This seems like a, you know, we all reach for that pill. Um, whereas yeah. this is just taking, coming, coming back and taking that responsibility and going, okay. You know, and I think maybe that's as naturopathic practitioners, it's always that role of education and, and being able to convey, you know, that that, that person, that your, your patient is responsible for their health outcomes. It's just you can facilitate. You pass it on. Shift yeah. moving amongst it and try and get them on the right place. Absolutely. Help them through that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we've got a, um, I think I've got a movement going in Perth at the moment. I've got a few clients who um, are middle-aged and they're teachers and they, they, they're coming to see me and it's quite hilarious because I had one come the other day and she's like, oh, you told me to get out in the garden. And because I always tell my clients, go, go and water the garden in the morning, especially, you know, the 55 to 60s. They love, you know, in the garden, out in the morning, up early, um, and just take your clothes off go naked mm -hmm. and so she came back for the <laughs> second time and she said do you know what I had a chat to all the other teachers and I told them I went out in the garden naked <laughs> she's like it felt so free and it was amazing it's it's amazing. The, sun, body, the air the wind I was like wow so good I love it so it's brilliant it made yes. my day it made my day and so yeah. she's spreading the naked sun time around Perth <laughs> I love that oh good excellent yeah um, it's yeah it's, for me it's, it's so foundational and it, and it goes back to nature cure you know the naturopathic Absolutely. roots really Absolutely. and we've got in like I think it was in the early 1900s or 1902 um the Nobel Prize went to a, a person practicing heliotherapy, I cannot remember his name. So it has a really strong history of it. Um, and I think again, like if we make the analogy back to the cannabis plants, once we understood more and then we started to understand the mechanisms of action, we can get to the nitty gritty parts. And I think that's where we are. Like it, it seems like redundant learning. We should have known this right from the beginning. Mm. Like, well, I think we all intuitively know that it's good to be outside. Mm. And, you know, I guess the caveat here is to be, you know, don't just throw yourself out in the sun for three hours. That's not the way no, it's going to absolutely. work. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, a there's, there's a, you know, there is a prescription there is to a it prescription. and to use it mindfully yes. and, 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 and whatnot. And according um, to skin colour. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, everyone's exposure is individual again. Mm. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Individualised medicine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that you, that's 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 what we we learn as naturopathic practitioners, and and it, it's circling back that way mm. in so many ways. Um, and you know that's why integrative medicine is coming on board, and you know we're getting that. For me, whatever it doesn't matter, whatever it's labelled, it's it's just going to have the patient-centred outcomes, and that needs to be the key indicator of a good outcome. Does that person who's come to you, that individual? Are they improving and are they feeling better? Then mm. that's their medicine. That's it. I know. There's nothing else. There's no other measures, really. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The, 
the cannabis, I think, is really trying to teach us that it is, well, I think a lesson from it is that it is a um, very individualised outcome that we need to have or treatment mm. option. And I think that's one of the main key messages of cannabis, I believe. And from some of the yeah. research, all the, all the research that's been done on it and what you've just said then, it's just so important for the fact that we're actually treating everyone at an individual level, not just on the, the broad sense. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. Focusing in on, on that, on the person. Oh, absolutely. All right, Danielle, thank you so much. I'm just going to quickly ask you um, a few pointers for where people can find more information um, mm -hmm. and a little bit about where to find um, all your research. Um, and then I'll put it up on the notes as well so they can have that all there Hopefully. as well. Yeah. So um, any places that you recommend to go and find out more information on, on this topic? Um, I think a really good place, particularly if you just want to plug in while you're walking, going for a walk out in the sun, um, is FX Medicine. Justin Sinclair has had a couple of, has done a couple of presentations on there that are really great and really introductory. Mm -hmm. um, and um, also, you, you could it just googling the amount of research that's coming out on cannabis at the moment. It's, it's, it's in abundance, um, and I will give a link to my literature review. Um, that was published earlier this year. That's Excellent. looking at the pharmacological evidence um, of medicinal cannabis in cancer management. Um, and yeah, it's just, it is at that place, like I said before, you have to unfortunately dig a little, um, mm. but it's that the information's there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are a lot of different educational places at the moment that are you know, as a, as a health practitioner that you can go to and, and source more information mm. as well. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Is there any, um, with the, the study that's been done, the parent study, when, when is that, when are the results out or what's sort of happening in terms of time frame for that? Um, it is in right as of this week, it's come to the final stage of the first part of Recruitment. So yeah. um, all patients have moved through, Wonderful. and then um, it, there's a few other phases mm -hmm. to it. So I, I would expect to see some outcomes um, in the next couple of years, um, if not earlier, like maybe by the end of next year. Wonderful. And there, there's there is a little bit of excerpt on it. Um, I feel like I'm just like giving all, all prompts to FX Medicine here, but that <laughs> magazine has done a, um, a piece on um, Dr. Janice Sloss as well. That's giving you some preliminary results around that, which is very interesting. Excellent. And wonderful work coming out of there. Wonderful. Well, that gives us somewhere to go. So thank you so much. Thank You're you for welcome. your time. I really appreciate it. No, so it's fascinating. Been a pleasure. Thank you. And I'm so happy you reached out and we got to have got a chance to have a little chat and I hope there's more chats in the future. Yeah. Wonderful. Me too. Right. Me too. Thanks, <laughs> Trudy. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health, as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. 
please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.